Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Ryan, and if you haven't listened to the first part, you should really question your life choices and go and listen to it because it's great. In this episode, Ryan talks about always wanting to cheer for the underdog, the far-reaching impacts of his brain injury, how treating PTSD was a key part of his recovery, and learning to show himself as much compassion as he extended to others. This is Through a Glass Darkly, the podcast about following Jesus while living with a mental illness. Um, yeah, so going back to the the second breakdown that you had in 2014, yeah. a, a few questions. So I guess first would be, you know, you talked about how looking back, you can see probably a lot of it was fueled by compassionate uh, compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, things like that. Um, yeah. In your role, and I'm I'm actually probably asking this as somebody who works in similar things and is still figuring it out. Like how how did you understand the pain that you were encountering every day? like theologically. And by that, I just mean like, where was, where was God in it? How did you, how did you even understand if you did it all, how God was helping you handle it? I think my mental health, my mental illness kind of helped me figure it out. Um, because, you know, one of the things working with those kids is they would, one of the first things, it's like, are you an addict? One of the first questions and be like, like I am the coffee, right? And like, like, what's like, what's so important about that? You know, they really wanted that. They just thought, well, I feel like you'd be able to connect to me and then stuff like that. And I'm just like, well, I'm the one I, I figured out was like, I'm, I'm you, where you come from in your past. Like, that's important. That's a very important part of your story, but I'm more interested in where you're going and helping you get there. So let's just worry about that. Okay. But realizing like when, when I was at my lowest, and you told me, if you just take this and you'll instantly feel better, that I understood. That I could completely connect with. And in God and in, in, in all of this, it was just seeing the, just how he moved and how he, you know, helped. It was like the only solace I had was hearing like, we see sometimes these heartbreaking stories and I'm just like, I didn't get mad at God, but I, I was more of just like, I, you know, there has to be, it's my role to just continually show love and support to these kids and grace. And as, as outsiders, I mean, Jesus was an outsider and, you know, I thought that it was the best thing for me to do is just to always cheer for the underdog and try to be that kind of just light in dark places. I think that those are really good intentions, but as a human, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I can only do so much. Yeah. Uh, and it has a very real cost. Yeah, it did. And it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still not immune to that today, knowing what my, my limits are and trying to take care of myself and doing all those things. COVID's been really tough. Um, oh, so, okay. So I don't know if this is important or not, but like in 2018, I decided to take a break and leave working with youth and, and, 
doing stuff. And I wanted to um, just do something different for a bit. I didn't know for how long, but I was like, I'm going to try being a carpenter. Jesus was, I will too. WWJD, right? So yeah. I, <laughs> did you ever have those bracelets? I had, uh, I had push, pray until something happens. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were like, yeah, you I was, were like, I was really spiritual. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I, so I started working as a carpenter, um, and just before our uh, third child was born. And I was working there for about two and a half months and I ended up getting in a bad accident at work. I got hit in the head with a scissor lift. And luckily I had a helmet on, but I suffered a bad concussion. And I was also diagnosed with uh, PTSD uh, because of it. And this was, I think, a more trying experience on my faith than the other things hmm. because it um so I, I have a brain injury and sometimes i get like brain fog or i like things don't i don't remember things or i can get confused or irritable and grumpy and like my patience is like it can get like zero can get to zero really quickly and Sorry, like in ways that you know you were not before I wasn't like this before. injury. Okay. Yeah. And it's just like trying to, like, why am I like this? Why am I, what is going on? This isn't the person I am. And trying to reconcile that with, with my faith. And I mean, you know, being a dad and being a husband and trying to like, um, wanting to be around my kids, but couldn't be because they're too loud and mm. wanting to like just be more active but i'm just so exhausted because i expelled so much mental energy and it was just uh, really really hard for me to relate to um or uh, spiritually i couldn't go to church for a long time because it was just too too much commotion too much noise was the was the difficulty that you were having was it around like i don't understand like why this is happening or i don't understand like god could heal me or was it more i like i am supposed to be this person but i am not i can't be that person anymore or was it something completely different i think it was like all of those things all wrapped into one and being like this isn't the, the one of the hardest parts was i didn't necessarily see how I was behaving. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't like, um, it's kind of like, you know, if you grow, you don't necessarily feel like you've grown. Um, but like other people are like, well, we got tall. Well, I've really said that to me, but it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, me neither. yeah, but they're like, yeah, you're like, you're different hmm. and, and not in a good way. Yeah. You knew they didn't mean that. Like you're different. Yeah. Like, yeah you're so you know different. And like hearing that from my wife was really hard about just not being the same person. And, but it's like, what do you mean? I'm in the same person. But like, I wasn't acting like I was the same person, but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize how, you know, short tempered I was. I didn't realize like how frustrated and angry I got when I was a kid, how irritable I was all the time. Like, like I didn't quite see it. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was mad. I was frustrated. This was probably when I was kind of most 
mad at God having those moments and like I just, I just don't understand. And then I eventually got and got back into work. I started being able to, you know, I was healing. And then I, uh, you know, going back to church and, and this kind of thing, it kind of seemed to follow me out a little bit. But I ended up having kind of like a, a like a fluke accident at home, where I bonked my head, pretty good, but not like super hard. But I like was like, ah, oh, it's weird. And then like within an hour, I was having all the same symptoms again. And it took like it took a month to figure out what was wrong with me. And it, they're like, eventually, after a trip to the ER because I thought I was having a stroke. The neurologist down in Hamilton said, "You're, you know, it's 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 not the concussion. That's not the issue. It's your mental health. You're having like you, these are all like PTSD symptoms, and and how they're shaping your body and, and all that kind of stuff. And you need to start treating that because you've been treating the concussion and you haven't mm-hmm. been treating the mental health. And so when we started doing that, I started to get a lot better. So I got into counseling. I got into this. I I." had set up like well my wife and I set up a kind of a schedule for me to kind of I would go to the church um in in, in the basement oh yeah and so like I got sorry (laughs) right so just before that happened like just uh, when I got that you know meeting with neurologist Hamilton they're just like COVID started like five days later and it was the first like kind of you know 14 days to flatten the curve kind of thing um Right. And it was uh, all the the coping strategies I was using up to that point, like going to the library or going out for coffee or, you know, going to these quiet little workspaces to just kind of be by myself and like write or read or something like that out of the house. Gone. Right. And doctors like get lots of sleep. I was like, OK, I got three kids, so that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get don't like low, limit your stress. I was like, okay, I'm at home with three kids during a global pandemic. Got it. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. And, and, and it was like, yeah. and look after your, your mental health. And I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. It was, it was just like a, it was just such a weird time. So during this time to focus on mental health and, and to kind of get my work, so I was off work again during this period and they wanted me to, uh, but, you know, with COVID and everything, they didn't want me back because, I mean, they were at reduced hours and they weren't, you know, everyone was not working very much. And like that's so like, we're not getting you back until we kind of figure out what's going on. So there was more time. Right. So I ended up, um, I would go to the church and go to the basement and like, um, I was doing some online. Uh, oh, yeah. During this time, I was working as like an online counselor for, for kids, for youth. I, I don't do that any longer. It was it was cool. It was great. It was, um, I enjoyed it, but it just, I got too busy. Couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I do that. I, I did some honed up on some, um, CBT skills, like some counseling skills. And I was like, I think I want to get back into being a therapist, again. Mm-hmm. like in, in, in actually doing it. And I want, you know, this carpentry stuff, like Jesus could do it, but I can't, like, it's just not for me. Yeah. Like, I, I like doing carpentry but as like a hobby, not 50 hours a week. Right. So, uh, yeah. So there's a big I, difference. There's a big difference. And so I, you know, I, I went to school, I, I did counseling, I did like all these things to really improve kind of my mental well-being, and I ended up getting a job as a, as a therapist 
providing online therapy for a company out of Kingston, and it's been going really great. I really enjoy my, my work there. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at today. We actually went to a church in person for the first time a couple of weeks ago. That was pretty wow. cool. It was, it was weird because my, our youngest, he is three now, but like he doesn't remember going to church in person. Um, like we did the, you know, Facebook live and stuff like that. But, you know, even that with the, yeah, we, we tried. got a whole lot of veggie tales. I said, if we get through church, I even said, listen, you guys don't even have to sit and watch this sermon with me. We'll watch veggie tales after it's done. Right. But if you're going to sit here, just be quiet. <laughs> let, let me, let me watch this. Okay. And, uh, they, uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, whatever. Yeah. But it was, it was good to be back. And even though it was, you know, distanced and we all learn masks and, and stuff, which is, yeah, it's fine. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. But I think it, it was, COVID was hard. It was another huge stressor mm-hmm. on people's, and I, and I saw it at work, like I'm swamped mm-hmm. and people are really struggling right now. And I found that I've had a lot of people who, are um you know from faith backgrounds hmm. and it's been really kind of cool i'm not going to go into too much stuff about that because mm-hmm. you know confidentiality and whatnot yeah. but it, it, it's it's been really great working with people in that capacity and you know helping people along the road of being i i, I tell people i'm a um i'm a recovering evangelical mm-hmm. and uh it's really just about kind of jesus for me the red letters are important. Mm-hmm. I know what a, some people are, right? But I think they, I don't know. I just think they carry a bit more weight. <laughs> and um, some people don't agree with that. And that's okay. I'll still love you. I can still disagree with you too, but that's cool. Yeah. Can I ask you about... Absolutely. I, I was very I was very struck by your... And I, I think it's beautiful the way that you were describing what you believed your role should be in the lives of those youth with substance use disorders. You know, this idea of like, you know, grace and love and cheering for the underdog. I could be wrong, but I feel like that kind of approach can only come if you yourself have experienced that. Would that be fair to say? Like, I guess one thing I've noticed is like mental illness can be a very shame bound experience. I think particularly for for Christians, because you, your experience is the opposite of what it's supposed to be as a Christian, right? You're anxious, you are, you know, you think about hurting yourself or taking your own life, or you're struggling with compulsive behaviors, or like all of these things that are not supposed to be the experience of somebody who's following Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder, like, yeah, did, did you have those experiences yourself that then you could just relate to the youth that you were working with? Or is that just how you always kind of understood faith? I didn't, like, I never had an addiction issue, but there was just something as I'm thinking about it, like, you know, my mental struggles were, they gave me an insight, I think, to look beyond what you see in people. And it's also like, I mean, it's helped me be a better therapist, I think. And I try to be um, really open to listening. Just hearing what people, like where they come from and what they've experienced and accepting that for what it is. 
is that that's their story. And there's more, you know, than what you see. And, you know, it started, it, that really got shaped with, you know, working with those, with those youth, but it's really kind of come into, I guess its own kind of, of way of thinking um, because of my own, when I, I, I take that experience and my own experience with mental mental illness, it's, it's not the same, right? Like it's what you see isn't always what you get. (laughs) And you just, you really need to, to listen and asking questions about like, like, I don't quite understand. Can you please, can you explain that to me Mm -hmm. instead of taking the posture? Oh, well, that's not, (laughs) Uh, this kind of just hit me a little bit but like you know the the feelings that um like when i was in call bible college and they were telling me like these things aren't that way and it's like but they kind of are that way and people are telling me that these you know it makes me feel like i have the same feelings when i hear people say all lives matter right and it's just like well, that to me, if you're, you know, you hear something like, you know, Black Lives Matter and your first response is to say, no, all lives matter. Why are you being so defensive? Mm-hmm. And and then my other side is just like, well, what do you mean? Like, I, I, asking people, when you say Black Lives Matter, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Why, why don't you think they do? And that's my uh because i want to hear their story i want to hear like, their experience because you know by me taking that you know i i understand where i you know, like i said i grew up in the town everyone was white i'm a white man i'm you know the fact that i don't understand some of these things that people struggle with proves to me that i have privilege <laughs> i get that so when i I want to be able to learn. I don't Sorry, I know that's kind of like an aside thing, but it was just. No, but I think just hearing you talk about, and and I know it's in connection to probably all your clients, but I think especially about the youth that you had worked with, this idea of, you know, what you see is not all of what you get. Or, you know, some of the other things you said, like it just strikes me as an incredibly compassionate stance, right? Where you... Yeah, I think it is compassionate to want to learn more about it. And I just wonder, like, is is compassion something that was easy for you to extend to yourself, even in the midst of? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, it wasn't. It was not. It was uh, real struggles with uh, inadequacy and my own stuff from growing up. And being really hard on myself, kind of being the person, like if I was really struggling with something, I would try to help other people um, because I wouldn't necessarily know how to help myself. And I didn't want to, or like I didn't like that feeling. And so I would try to avoid it by doing something else. Um, but it wasn't until like I, <laughs> when I realized I kept having all these crashes, I was like, I need to look after my own shit. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to get better, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it took me a while to be able to show myself kind of some compassion, but <laughs> it's still a lot easier for me to show compassion to other people than it is for myself. 
it's not it's not like an automatic response and so i'm working at it to be able to say give yourself a break right like you're human okay you can do this what can you do differently next time like mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes more i feel like say like well what would you tell one of your clients did you was it a struggle for you to experience or believe that god was compassionate towards you i think at times and i know that like it was my idea of like god as father was like my dad and i didn't have necessarily a great relationship up and i don't really have the time to get into that today <laughs> fair enough we'll uh, we'll find the but like you know i never like god as father when people talk about that kind of aspect of him i I just i didn't like and just being able to see but instead of instead of trying to put it through like well my experience with the father wasn't necessarily all positive so therefore that relationship but i was like well what if it's the other way around what if i should look to god as the example and jesus as the example like father and Mm -hmm. it was kind of when i was able to figure that out i was just like okay like you know compassion and mercy and grace and i need to be those things but also to myself i need to be those things to my kids i need to be those things to my wife i need to be those things to to all these things there were times where like especially during my dark periods where i did not i did not like god but i never stopped like believing that you know i'd have like pull out arguments in my kitchen and stuff Mm -hmm. and and but it was never like um yeah i would get angry and i get mad but i never felt as though i was alone um Mm -hmm. it would feel i would feel lonely sometimes but not like i was what's the word discarded or you know just forgotten Hmm. it's just because some because like a lot of these things like I, i was struggling with with sometimes people around but like they didn't know what to do and what to help and so it almost felt like i was but like i didn't know what <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah uh what they could do and so i was just like well i think god like it was just those times where i was just like okay god we're gonna we're gonna get through this hmm. like yeah i don't know if that answered the question if i went off on no it does way. absolutely i i, I find it um fascinating and refreshing because i i think that oftentimes in experience of depression there is so much yeah like it's sickness right and so you don't you're not seeing yourself properly either though um or maybe like exclusively like that's actually the focus of it so it's interesting to hear that even in the midst of that that somehow you were you were able to hold on to or that your belief in a in a god who still cared about you and was still there with you even if you were mad at him or you know didn't have all the answers or didn't understand what he was doing that 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 kind of stayed solid Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that's great yeah it was uh i think it is yeah (laughs) that's true i guess it's not everybody would but uh, <laughs> but yeah coming from your like even clinical black background you know i know so we worked at rave hope at the same time and kind of overlapped a little bit and so so many of the people that we worked with mm-hmm. you know most of them i would say probably had some sort of mental 
health challenge or like an actual diagnosed mental illness. Um, and addiction yeah. was like a huge part of that in terms of, well, lots of things going on for sure. Uh-huh. I'm just always curious, like theologically, how, how did you understand? I guess what I'm asking is like, I, I think a very traditional response would be, well, they're sinning. And so they need to repent. <laughs> right. Uh. And obviously you would last about seven seconds in that job if that was your approach. So yeah. what, what is your understanding, I guess, theologically of, of what's going on in the, in the mix of like mental illness and, and addiction or compulsive behaviors oh. or, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, that's a, that's a loaded question. And it's, how much time do we have? Like, it's not loaded. I'm not looking for a specific well, answer. Well, not necessarily. Well, okay, maybe not loaded. Like maybe just like loaded with uh, substance. Okay. How about I'll give you this. This is going to be the last question because it's a big one. So what are, okay. uh, five five minutes. Let's say you have five minutes. Okay. To delineate uh, your uh, your theological <laughs> understanding of mental yeah. illness and addiction. Okay. Well, uh, so um, when it comes to like. Uh, addiction um addiction in and of itself to me is a way of coping more most likely due to trauma and so i find that do i you know do i think you know it's a sin and the reason i say that is once you're addicted it's not like a decision almost right it's not the way that the brain has worked and has been shaped it's it's different and through trauma through substance use through head injury through these things and so you know i i grew up thinking like you know the whole like well if you you know getting drunk and smoking and um like all that stuff like you know kissing oh i don't know it <laughs> probably was but probably was but like there were so many of these things that were so black and white to people. And the more I lived and the more I understood, you know, kind of people as people and not as like special salvation projects, I realized that there is a lot of color between black and white and these really heavy issues that people want really simple answers to there's just not real simple answers to give. And that can be about a whole myriad of, of topics. And addiction is just one of them, where I think people feel in, in certain faith communities will feel better thinking they have the right answer rather than kind of muddling around in the darkness trying to just do what Jesus did and, and, and meet people where they're at. And when you look at how Jesus treated, you know, the lowly and the outcast, it was always with love and with compassion. And it was the religious people that he didn't really have a whole lot of patience for. Mm-hmm. What that means about my theological understanding of addiction I don't know. I mean, it's not really talked about much in the Bible. So like some of these things never even existed when that was like, uh, so 
to me, it, it, it's a way of coping and feeling better. And I, you know, going through my own struggles with, with stuff, I found it in something different and the faith and in, in relationship with Jesus. And so when, when someone it gets addicted, I don't like when I see someone who, you know, on the streets or something like that, I don't see, oh, they just made me, you know, they're, if they just, you know, get a job and they just pull up their bootstraps and I don't know what a bootstrap is, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't see, I, I try to see them like as Jesus did. And I also try to see like Jesus in them. And that's my theology. Love God and love your neighbor. That's if people want like the simplest uh, explanation of how my understanding of addiction and theology work, it's through the lens of loving God, and loving my neighbor. And if by me, am I loving God and loving my neighbor? If I am judge this person and I don't show them compassion and Right. I would say no. Final answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sorry, I did lie. I, I do have one more question. Oh, um, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. This one's this one's I think easier. Okay. Um, so you you talked a bit about that uh, support group that you started in your church, um, yep. which ran about a year. Yeah. Out of that experience and and all of your other experiences, I think there's a lot of Christians who would be listening to this. So that's like ten people. So what would you say to them about what it means to love well? somebody who is is living with a mental illness you should probably like ask my wife that question <laughs> she might be able to answer it better than i can I, I i would say that know that like it's not your fault and that's like a big thing and sometimes you can't fix it and it's not your job to fix it and listen and the person might not know what they need or what they want and the best thing you can do is just be present and just, you know, say, well, I'm going to be here. If you need anything, let me know. And go from there. It's not, you know, it's just about being with people and meeting them where they're at. And uh, it's, I think sometimes people get really freaked out by mental illness and because their perception of it is, you know, the, the people that you see on, 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 talking to themselves in the middle of uh, or screaming in the middle of streets and, and things like that. But it's, I mean, those, those are cases and that's kind of like a whole other kind of story on, on how to like uh, deal with that. But when it's the people in your life and, and you just have to be with them. And I think, I think that was hard for um, my wife because she didn't know what to do. And I just said, I don't really need you to do anything. I just need you to be here. Hmm. I don't want to be alone, but I don't need you like holding my hand. Right. I, I, I just, that's what I need. Just you here and present. And if I need something, I'll, I'll, I'll ask. And that's, but I'm also like, I'm like, <laughs> when she first saw me got kind of going through and I was like, this ain't my first rodeo. So like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what I need, but I know like, if you start really fretting and worrying about me, then that will cause increase my anxiety. And <laughs> then it's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So we'll just, you know, I appreciate the love and the support. Yeah. Just, just be with them and then sit with them in the dark, the emotional and spiritual dark. Cool. Well, thank you very much. 
appreciate your time and your insight. And I'm, uh, I'm very glad you're working. Well, I know you're working with all sorts of clients, but I'm very glad that you were working with youth and still continue to. So, well, I actually don't really anymore. What? Well, all right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll talk to God and he can talk to you. I, yeah, I, we don't work with uh, youth at our, at our clinic. I mean, I work yeah. with a lot of uh, university students and then older people like uh, from university up which I think is, is really good for me. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty, uh, pretty great. That's our show for today. Special thanks to Mark Calvitis for the podcast cover art. This podcast deals with some pretty serious topics. If you are struggling with your mental health or are thinking about suicide, please reach out to a trusted friend or some other person you know loves and cares for you. There are also professional supports available. Please go online and visit Crisis Services Canada to find the distress centres and crisis organisations nearest you, or call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566. They are available to talk 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If you are under 29, the Kids Help Phone has professional counsellors available to provide confidential and anonymous care. Call them toll-free at one 800 668 6868 or text the word connect to 686868. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions about today's or any other episode, please email podcastdarkly21 at gmail.com. If you appreciate and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or give it a rating on whichever podcast app you use, since apparently that makes it more likely other people will find it. Finally, because it's always good to end with a blessing, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. As always, thanks for listening.